Okay. Okay, so we did Chachma, Bina, Chesed, Gvur, Tveras, Natsach, Hod, right? Yes. Of the animal soul. So let's make sure we know what these things are, right? So, first review, and then we'll review them with Yisod, Malchus, and we're going to come back to Das at the end. Okay. So, I'm going to throw this out to you. Chachma, what is the Chachma of the animal soul? Right, it's it's right. It's that starting position in your mind, which is a lie, but presenting it as a truth, right? That's that. What makes it what makes it the what makes it the impurity against chachma is that it's not false. It's a falsehood purporting to be to the truth, right? And the falsehood is that I'm really that important, right? Yeah. And that has many different dimensions and aspects, but that's the chachma. Okay, what's the bean of the animal soul? It develops our chachma into something. Right, develops our chachma. And that, and that has um, two main manifestations. One is um, the scheming we do to figure out like how to get what we want, right? Yeah. Um, I'm using scheming because it's negatively tinged, right? Some of us would think of that as being more, you know, mature and about planning for a long-term future. But it's the same thing. Um, and the other manifestation of that is interest in... Um, um, secular wisdom, right? That the idea that the world is just an object of understanding in its own right, right, further reinforces our sense that just me and my world are important. Right. Okay. What is chesed, the animal soul? Chesed draws us anything towards our animal soul. Right. Draws us, draws us towards anything which is not godly. That one's the simplest one. That's the most intuitive one, I think. Gevura of the animal soul. Rejecting godliness. Rejecting godliness, right? And that one's actually counterintuitive, right? Because that can show up in some very interesting ways. What are some ways that, that Gevura of the animal soul can show up? Um, having objections to the more firm than you. Having more firm than you, right? Or a thing that people that are from... I don't get that. Why? Well, I mean, the most obvious one is that you, you just object to godliness outright, right? But, but that doesn't usually show up so much um, because rejecting godliness outright usually involves, like, you know, being anti-religion, anti-God, and all of that, right? That, that's a very extreme thing. It usually shows up where, where you're, you're objecting to... Because, I mean, let me just step back up for a second. What's the difference between being religious and God? Like religion and God. There's a very big difference. And, and the key difference is that God is actually someone, and religion is like a set of practices and behaviors and observance, and there's obviously a connection between the two. So, like, whatever level of religiosity that I'm comfortable with is, like, fine, right? Now, again, the Gvorah could, like, object to the idea of God imposing on me, whatever, right? But, but... For the person who's like learning Tanya, like that's not really how it manifests. It manifests not as a, it manifests like rejecting God in proxy. So like whatever level of religiosity my animal soul is comfortable with, for whatever ulterior motives it's comfortable with, is fine. But then when someone else is like taking it way more seriously than me, then that's like kind of rubbing God in my face. 
um, and also therefore seeks to delegitimize, like, oh, that person is just pretending they don't really mean it, right? Both of those are trying to take the God out of the religion, in other words. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't object to Torah and mitzvahs, that's the thing. It doesn't object to tefillin per se. Now, if you're a secular person, tefillin is overtly godly. But if you're a grow up religious, or you've been religious for a long time, so it's not over the guy, but it's just like, like, it's part of life. But like, his putting on tefillin is like, that's, there's too much, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Um, Tferis. Tferis has two manifestations. Compassion and glorification. Compassion and glorification. So, so what would it, what is the Tferis of the animal soul? Make a big deal out about yourself, right? right? And we do this. Now, again, we do this often in proxy, right? Very few people are that immature that they just talk about themselves directly all the time, right? But if you're sensitive, right, usually, right, you can hear. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, this, I just happen to think this example is, is quite, um, it speaks to my heart. That's why I'm using this example. If you, um, there's something called an academic paper. You've, read, you've heard of academic papers. I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of reading an academic paper. But academic papers often stop, talk about um, the researchers and the state of the researchers and what the researchers are interested in as if that's just as interesting and compelling as the actual subject matter. So like you'll read, so talk about the state of sociology and like, like, but like the actual topic of what it's covering it's almost, if you, if, you, if you take a step back and you actually read it, it sounds like they're talking about themselves and their professions, and then the thing that the profession is supposed to be about is almost secondary. Um, now, it's not like, oh, I'm this and I'm that and I'm this, right? You can, it's done in a very like, subtle way, right? But it's almost, it's almost like there's like this, this infatuation with our role as physicists rather than the actual physical universe and that kind of thing. And the way that people talk about their vacations, like other Grand Canyon, like I mentioned yesterday, right? And it's a subtle thing. And the more mature you are, the more clever ways you have about making a big deal about yourself without making it so you know, blatantly obvious that it's all about yourself, okay? Um, and the other thing is compassion. Now, compassion, right, is the sense that like, you know, we don't want to like, we don't want to put too much pressure on ourselves. We don't want to, you know, like our, our health, you know, our finances, our sense of, you know, stability and security. These are, these are, these are untouchables and like, you know, Rather than thinking of them, thing is ha of, of of thinking of our ourselves as an expendable resource in the service of God, if that's really what's needed, right? Okay. Netzach. What is the netzach of the animal soul? Pushing for the wrong things. Pushing for the wrong things, even though it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to you, and you don't even really like it. Yeah. But you're pushing for klipa. Anything. Anyway. There was a, there was a, a Jew who was a, a well-known atheist, and um, he said that if he ever gets ill and loses his mind and starts believing in God, everyone should know ahead of time that it's just because he's delusional. It's not because, like, as he gets older, he's come to see the light. <laughs> Funny, right? Um, the the the. Yeah. And what is that again? Is that 
Yeah. So I just, I, the quote is like just, it's so short and so powerful that I'm going to actually just read it in translation, okay? Um, is the sense of stubbornness, even though the thing isn't good for him, and even though he has no appreciation about why it should be good for him, nevertheless the person has a stubbornness and strong resolve to do what's wrong. That's it. There's a sense that like there's almost there's there's almost that you become a a a a a, a, a um, that. And then you can see this play out like sometimes in little children, right, where they're like. They're doing like they just they 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 they're upset about something and so they just want to like ruin everything, okay? And like they're making their life worse, so it doesn't matter, right? But if you think of it less as like a temper tantrum, more as something like actual, like that. There's this kind of a commitment to klipa. Not I enjoy the klipa. Not it appeals to me, but you've kind of committed yourself to that. Right? And you're too stubborn, you're too invested, you're too locked in to back down. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And then hode, hode is where, right, where we're, we're, we're dragged after the cleaver because we don't have enough of a backbone to stand up and say, wait a minute, this is, this is false, this is ridiculous, right? That make sense? Yes. Okay. Fine. Those are the different traits of the animal soul, right? Okay. Yisod. So the thing we need to know about yisod is that yisod is quite tricky. Um, I'm just going to show this to you. So you see this little short paragraph here? Yeah. This was Netzach. See this little short paragraph here? Yeah. This was Hod. You see this long paragraph here? <laughs> That's Yisod. <laughs> yeah. I'm not covering everything here about Yisod. Right. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to talk about Yisod. And when we finish it, we're going to do Malchus. If we have time, and if we finish that, we'll go back to Das. Okay. So, what is Yisod? So, you know, for most of these, I've not actually talked about the translations of the word at all. Yes. Um, and I, I maintain that, that, there's a, that that's an important thing to do. However, here, I'm going to, because I think it, it, it helps ground things, because you can start talking about Yisod in such a way that it gets very... Okay. So the word Yisod really means a foundation. Okay. Now, if I say the word foundation, what question should immediately pop into your mind? Foundation of what? what? Right. What are the foundation of what? Right. Okay. So Yisod is the foundation of the connection between two things. Generally speaking, between two people, or it can be brought between a person and something else. But we're going to go with two people because it makes it clearer. Okay. So you're a person, and you have connections with things, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And we're going to focus primarily on your connections with other people, my connections with other people, right? So you have a connection with other people. What is the foundation of that connection? What you both like? No. There's many connections that are not based on what you both like. What? That's right. The foundation of a connection is that you connect. That's exactly right. That this is this is this is a very I'm very impressed you got that right away. What? It's so obvious. It's so obvious, but it's because the thing is, like, if you have everything but you don't actually connect, you have no connection. If you connect, then everything else can build on top of that, right? So now you have to think, well, what does that mean? So you have to think, like, okay, so what does that mean to actually connect? Like, what is this? 
fundamental level of connection, which is foundational to all connections, right? Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to talk again. We're going to do this with Kedusha. We're going to do this with Klipa, Okay. So first off, every relationship that in in every relationship with a few exceptions that we're not going to worry about, have what we're going to call a, a, a mishpia and mekabal, which means a giver and receiver dynamic. Okay? That means if you have a relationship with someone, okay, you are either the mishpia in that relationship or you are the mekabal. You are either the giver or you are the receiver. Okay? Those can be viewed gendered as male and female roles, okay? which is how they're spoken about in Kabbalistic language. Hasidists tend to use much more the terminology of mishpia, mekabal, given receiver. Kabbalistic texts will use the terms male and female, but their synonyms, they mean the same thing. Okay, now, um, there are some interesting exceptions we're not going to talk about. Now, the thing is that these are not describing the essence of the person. They're describing, the the, the, they're describing your place in the relationship. Okay, so for instance, in this class, who is the mashpia, who is the giver, and who is the makabal? I'm the giver, and you're the receiver, right? Or I have the male role, you have the female role, right? Okay, when I daven shmona esrei, okay, who is the male, and who is in the female role? Who is the giver, who is the receiver? Hashem is the giver, and I'm the receiver, right? Make sense? Okay, now, when you are teaching someone who knows less than you, you're the giver, they're the receiver. You see how this works? Okay. Now, people always you jump to, what about friends? Aren't they equals? I don't want to get into that, okay? Wait. We could, but just distract us right now. Okay. Now, here's the thing. What the giver and the receiver are not the same, which means, this is very important, the yesod of the mashpia is not like the yesod of the makabal. Okay, so what does it mean for the giver to connect to the receiver fundamentally? Does not mean what it means for the receiver to connect to the giver. They're not the same. Okay. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do the mashpia first because the mashpia is a little bit easier. What does it mean that the giver connects to the receiver? What does that mean? Doesn't it mean like, like the giver is giving something to the receiver, but in turn, it's going to also become the receiver? No, 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 no. I mean, that might be factually correct, but that has nothing to do with this. Okay, that's part of it. There's a place to give. That they know they're going to give something. But is it that they know that they can give, but it won't just be given, it will also be received? Because I feel like you can give to people. Well, that's going to be true. That is going to be true, and that's a dynamic that we're not going to spend a lot of time on, which is that it actually, the whole relationship starts conceptually by the recipient. In other words, you can, st- you can have a recipient without a mashpia, but you can't really have a mashpia without a recipient. I apologize, this is supposed to be off. I thought there was like another siren coming. 
Um, in other words, just give you a very simple example, right? Nobody would enter the teaching profession if everybody knew stuff already, right? You only enter the teaching profession because there are people there to learn, right? But you could have people who would like there to be a teacher, but there's no teachers in the universe, right? right? It would be nice, like, for instance, if there was a teacher who could teach us, like, how to master ourselves, right? But there isn't, right? So, um, but, but that's a, that, 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 that is true, but that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a side point. Or it's not a side point, it's, 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 it's not the main thing I'm gonna get. What does it mean that the, what is, what is the goal of giving of the mashpia? What's the mashpia's goal? The other person should receive. So where is the priority in the mind of the mashpia? And the other person. The other person's receiving is, the, is an end that justifies itself. Okay? So if we think about it, right, um, that you know, if you give tzedakah to a poor person, right, the goal here is not that you gave tzedakah. The goal is that the poor person should have what to eat, right? Yes. So if the poor person has what to eat without you giving, mm -hmm. then? Then would the mishpia be okay with that? Would the mishpia be okay if the poor person had what to eat without me giving them tzedakah? Oh, the point is to give. Yeah. No, because the oh, point no. is... Because they want that person who gives tzedakah to receive their tzedakah. Right. What's the highest form of tzedakah? Um, where you give and the give person doesn't know who gave it to you? No, give them a job. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It's the highest form of tzedakah. Because now they're not poor anymore. Because the idea is, what's the highest form of teaching? That the student knows and doesn't need to come keeping back to the teacher, right? Yeah. And if the student can figure it, I mean, they, you don't really need a teacher then, right? But the, the idea is that the mashpia... Wait, well, no, that, I agree, but now then that contradicts what you said before. What? You said the mashpia is not happy when it happens. No, the mashpia is happy. Oh, he is happy when the, the poor guy doesn't need his money. Right. So then why is it, but, so the thing is that the being a mashpia means, and there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a phrase here that's very important to learn, it's called hanachas atzmuse, which means putting yourself on the side. The mashpia has put themselves on the side and has dedicated themselves to providing something to the makabal, right? So the idea is that the mashpia looks at the recipient and says, this person is lacking something. This thing that they're lacking, I can give. And therefore, that changes myself. And I am now setting whatever concerns myself on the side in order to give them what they're lacking that I possess. Now, if you think about a teacher, right? Um, if you're teaching people, then you have to be teaching them on a level they can understand, right? But if you're qualified to teach them, then your own level of understanding is higher. So you should actually spend time if you were interested in your own personal development, right. learning more on your own. Right. This is actually why many teacher professions have a concept called a sabbatical. Because what happens when you spend a lot of time teaching? You don't take care of your own learning. Mm -hmm. And someone who really values their own learning, right, really doesn't want to be teaching. They really can't be bothered by teaching. I don't know if any of you are in university, but you probably noticed there were two kinds of professors. Professors who enjoy teaching, professors who don't 
professors who enjoy teaching, they actually feel this idea, this, this sense that there's these students' minds who are hungry for knowledge and like, it means something to them to, 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 to dedicate time and energy to provide that. And then there are others, they're like, that's just like a cost of you know, having tenure, that you have to teach some classes. But they really would just spend a lot of time doing their own studies and research. Okay. So the mashpia is somebody who, if there would not be the recipient, the mashpia would be off be doing something else, going loftier and deeper into their own whatever. But because there are these recipients, whether in actuality or potential, right, they've set their own individual life aside and devoted themselves to providing. Now, obviously, there's degrees to this and forms of this. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So the the key thing the, the key thing with now it the, the key thing with the mashpia is that his connection to the recipient is that he is willing to forego everything about himself that makes himself superior to the mashpia in order to reach the makabel. Right? There is that kind of dedication, devotion, loyalty, pick whatever synonym you want, to the recipient, that anything about himself that gets in the way of really reaching the makabal, he has no problem setting aside. Does that make sense? Yes. Right? And by the way, when you get a sense, when the makabal gets a sense of that from the mishpia, right, that makes the mishpia more effective, right? If you have a teacher where you have a sense that this teacher really is doing their utmost to reach the students, right, when that comes through, right, the students are much more willing to receive. Okay. Um, so there's, the, 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 and this, 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 this is the dynamic of the mashpia. The mashpia is someone who's, who, they have this them setting themselves aside means setting whatever makes them superior, not to come down to the level of the recipient just to hang out with them, but to bring whatever they can down to the level of the recipient so the recipient can actually receive it. Because their main priority is the recipient being filled up. So where have they placed the center of their world? Where is the, the Mishpia's world orbits around what? The recipient. The recipient. Does that make sense? Okay, now let's talk about the recipient. What does it mean to be a recipient? This is all talking about from the perspective of what it is these things are in Kedusha, in holiness. What does it mean to be a recipient? You're willing to so so this is so so you're willing to take. I, I like receiving better because of the, the key element here. Take implies that you walk away. You walk away. Like for instance, if you offer me money, I'm willing to take it. What does that mean? Okay. So what's the difference? Let's see. Yeah. What's the difference if someone offers you money or a wedding ring? Are you going to take the wedding ring and walk away? No. 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 There's a man, right? And you're standing on the chuppah, and he offers you a wedding ring. You're like, okay, thanks. You like leave, walk away with it. Is that what you do? No. Someone offers you $100, right? Barring any, like, you know, just end of itself. Like, I'll take the money and leave, right? Like, mm -hmm. I guess. Okay. What would it mean to be a, a recipient if it, of, of, in the, as opposed to 
a, a taker in the realm of a student. A student who's a taker, they come in and what do they want? They want knowledge, right? And what happens? They get the knowledge. As soon as they get the knowledge, where are they? They're gone. If you're a recipient, why? Why? Because the, the, idea, the idea of being a recipient is also... To back? No. The idea, of the idea of receiving, which is also this idea, is also this idea of setting yourself aside. The idea of receiving is recognizing that this person has something. Not they have an up possession, an item. They have something about them. And without a connection to that... There's no, then then life is fundamentally void. It's fundamentally empty. And so the recipient doesn't see the mashpia as giving them something and then they walk away from it. What the mashpia, what the the recipient is trying to do is the mashpia is trying to become part of and connected to and attached to whatever is loftier and truer about the mashpia that they themselves don't have. Okay, so... For instance, the idea here would be the difference between saying um, being the goal, you know, like having an a advisor, you know, PhD advisor in university versus um, a Talmud, a real disciple of, of, of a Torah scholar. What does it mean that someone's a real disciple of a Torah scholar? It means that they have a sense this person embodies the truth of God and therefore there's a void in my life that they can, only they can fill, and therefore I need to make space in how I live my life and how I see things and how I view things in order so that I can be connected to them. And the knowledge I gain is a way of holding us together. So you go back to the wedding ring. What's the purpose of the wedding ring? So you have some extra money? Mm-hmm. No, what's the purpose of the wedding ring? It's similar to binding you together, right? So, the, and this is key, is that the macabre the Meqabal doesn't, doesn't want to take. They don't want to take anything. They don't want the Meshbit to give them something and to walk away. They want, they, they have a sense that, that, that this, this person has something so worthwhile that without having them in my life, there will be a void that will never be full. Right? So being a Meqabal, being a recipient, means that you fundamentally feel that your existence is incomplete without the Meshbit. Okay. So what does it mean to be a mashpia? What does it mean to be a makabal? To be a mashpia means that you have something that someone else is lacking and you set and that becomes your priority so much that you willingly set everything that holds you back from them aside in order to reach them, in order to be with them, in order to connect to them, right? And to be a makabal means that you recognize that there's something so fundamentally worthwhile, something so absolutely good and true in in this other person that that you need to be you need to you need to have you need to have them in your life and so there's this there's this space there's this void that can only be fulfilled filled by them does that make sense okay now if both if you have two people that have that kind of relationship with each other what kind of bond do they have friendship it has to be friendship the quality of the bond. It could, doesn't have to be friendship. It could be, friendship. It could be friendship. Because in life, it could also be a Rebbe and a Chassid. 
It could also be um, a parent and a child in different ways, right? But what's the quality of that kind of connection? It's a relationship. Is that breakable? Can you break that? As long as those two things are true. Yeah. No, why not? Because they're in each other. That's right. In other words, the Meshpia has set themselves totally aside in order to reach the Meqabal, and the Meqabal has set themselves totally aside in order to make space for the Meshpia. Right? So each one has placed the, the, the orbit of their life around the other, so they just keep orbiting each other. Okay? Now it's different, right? Because the disciple, what does it mean the disciple has, the disciple's life orbits around the, 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 the teacher? is that everything in the life of the disciple is how do I receive, how do I make space, how do I, how do I feel that void where I'm lacking the teacher, how do I open myself to receive the teacher, right? But it's all arranged, it's all organized in mind of that receiving principle, whereas the, the, the teacher is the opposite. The teacher, is, their life is organized, how do I reach the student? What's preventing me from reaching, what's holding me back from the student? Okay, so for instance, before the student and use the example of the student teacher meeting, before the student and teacher meet, we're using them as a, the as an analogy, but again, any relationship that's that has holiness has this dynamic. Mm-hmm. How does the student prepare for a lesson from the teacher? Acknowledges he doesn't know. Acknowledges he doesn't know, right? Removes any distractions, mm-hmm. right? Well, that depends if they were supposed to be receiving something new or not. That depends. Let's talk about if it's something new. Then they totally try to clear their mind, right? When the teacher is teaching them, they don't try to understand as the teacher is talking. They just try and absorb like a sponge and wait to later to process, right? Um, they arouse themselves feelings of trust, right? Because they're going in an un- right? There's a, in terms, if we look at it as a power dynamic, right? The teacher has all the power there, right? So they have the, 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 they really trust the teacher, right? Now, what would we, if we talk about how the, the, the teacher doing, it's different. The teacher really has to think about what the recipient is capable of receiving, what the recipient really needs, right? How can I present to them in a way that really reaches them, right? So they're doing a lot in order to either make space for or reach out to the other, right? Now, notice making space for and reaching out to are not the same thing. Okay, so let's say, for instance, now if you zoom in, like in, in a, any relationship, sometimes you have little microcosms. So in a relationship, right, if you're trying to share with a friend um, what you're feeling, and there's relationship, there's holiness, this relationship, what that what that could mean is like this: since it's important for you to be together, we're friends, right? And if you're going through something emotionally and they're shut out from it, right, mm-hmm. then they're not part of your life. Right? And they want to be part of your life. Yeah. Right? And they feel it's important to be part of life. So you have to figure out how do I share what's going on with me in a way that they can actually receive it, right? Mm-hmm. Or the other hand, my friend is going on something, how can I just like my, live my life as if nothing as, as if like it doesn't matter? Where's there's no space in, in my life for the other person's emotions to be felt? So again, you would have that same thing, right? One person is trying to figure out how do I share my emotions in an authentic way that really reaches my friend. And the other one is, how do I make space to really receive and hear what my friend is saying? Those are not the same thing. They're not doing the same thing. But 
if, but the common factor is that they're putting the focus not on themselves, but on the other. So there's a very big difference. If I'm the, if I'm the mashpia, putting the focus on the other means figuring out how to reach out to them, how to bring myself to them, how to, how to um, take what I have and present myself and whatever it is in a way that they can actually appreciate, they can actually absorb. And to be, to, to connect as a makabal means the opposite. How do I clear myself and empty myself and become receptive to what they're offering? So those are, those are, those are very different flavors, but what's the common factor is that you're setting the focus, the center of everything in the other party in the relationship. By the way, in this context, is it possible to have a relationship with an object? No, right? it doesn't make sense to have a, there's, right? in, in holiness, there is no such thing as yisod except between two beings, right? So between you and another person, or between you and God, or God and you, right? That's it, right? There's no yisod between you and like an object. Wouldn't really work, right? Okay, so you get the idea of what yisod is? Okay, and, and if you think about it, everything about a relationship goes through yisod, right? The quality of everything depends on this foundational thing, which is how much as you, of you as a recipient are open to the other, and how much as you of a giver are real, genuinely trying to reach the recipient. In other words, how much do you put the focus on the other party in the relationship? And that's what binds you together. That's the foundation of all connection, is that connection. Good? Okay. And by the way, notice here the split between the mashpia mekabo, uh, male-female roles is extremely important, right? What if you mix that up? Is it going to work? Like, you never have a bit of both. You, you, so you can, you can, let's take a relationship, let's take a relationship um, where you, people are trying to have an, a, a relationship with each other, but there's, there's some level of equality, right? Yeah. Let's say, like friends. So then obviously there are times where one is sharing the other and the other is making space in their life for the other and reverse, right? But even there you have to figure that out. So let's say you're having a conversation. This can happen between friends, spouses. You're having a conversation where one person is sharing what's going on with them and the other person's receiving, right? But those roles aren't clear to each other. So both people are trying to share. What happens? It doesn't work, right? And usually one of them gets very offended and then the other one gets very offended, right? Because you weren't making space for me. But what happens when they're trying to make space for the other? Like it's not just no one's talking. Like no one it's that awkward no one talking, right? Right. But what happens when you have like so often Rabbi Chassid, Stasford, you know, wants to give back? So the mecha- a teacher, a student, what? No, so there is, there is, there's a lot of dimensions to receiving. One of the dimensions of receiving is that the recipient is changed by receiving. So giving back does not really mean the same thing. For instance, what's the best thing you can give back to a teacher? Changing. Proof of knowledge. Proof of knowledge. You want to give something back to the Rebbe? Prove that the Rebbe is your Rebbe. Prove that the Rebbe actually reached you. To you? But in other words, you've validated their role as mashpia. That's what you're doing. You're not giving them, it's not really switching the roles around. This is, Uh, what? How can you prove it? No, in your own personal life. So what about with the teacher? To the teacher or to like fellow students from the class or your friends or whatever? Like if 
somebody taught you something, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say someone. Let's say I'll, I'll give you an. I'll give you an example. Um, there was a a. a um, we used Rebbe Kaplan yesterday. Rebbe Kaplan used an example in a class and they taught in another seminary um, that had to do with the laws of Tznias. What? What? No, in a class that he gave. There's an example for an idea. And, um, and he described like a scenario just as an example. And then the, um, the next week, one of the girls came over and she like had that exact situation happen to her and she realized like that's the thing they spoke about in class, and she 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 like lived up to that idea. Mm-hmm. Now, do don't you think that that made Rabbi Kaplan's day? No. You don't think that spoke no, to him. It made him really, really happy, yeah. right? But why? What did he get? Like, that yeah. Right. That the the was the, the biggest thing that the Kabbal can give the Mashpia is is that the the, the hashpa the in, the influence the, the, was successful. Right. Think about it. If you're sharing your emotions, what what do you want if you share your emotions with a friend? What's the oh. thing they can give back to you? But like the response that means to what to what. They they understood, right? They felt, they empathized, right? It, if they do all, if they say all the right things and go with all the right things, but you don't get that they really got what you gave. So the thing that you give, the, the recipient gives back, mm-hmm. right? So there's this whole discussion about what that means that the recipient gives back. But it's very important to understand. It's not, it's not a, it's not only just flip it around, it's arbitrary. Like it doesn't change. Okay? I mean, if you want to think of the biggest example, right, um, is like, you know, there's, there's, there's husbands and wives, right, and, and on a very physical level, husbands give to wives, and the result is that the husbands end up with children, right? <laughs> but that's, right, that's, like, that's not the wife giving back, that's the result of the wife receiving, right? The wife receives, that, 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 that means something, and it ultimately manifests the fact that there's children, right? So there's this idea that the recipient receiving something that something something is accomplished and that something is meaningful to the mashpia. That's something, that's the giving back. But it's not like, oh, let's switch roles now. Okay, now you have the, now it's my turn to be mashpia, your turn to be mashpia. That's, 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 I mean, again, some relationships have that back and forth. Right, just a deeper level of right. so, right. So if we speak, for instance, on the level of two adults having an emotional relationship, it moves back and forth. Because sometimes one person sharing their emotions, something the other person is sharing. We're talking about knowledge and wisdom. It generally doesn't flip back and forth because one person just is superior than the other. We're talking about biologically between men and women. Well, that's kind of fixed, right? It really depends on what the relationship is that you're talking about. Okay, but it's it's not this like oh, you know, it's not like it's like like sometimes, for instance, a student can be talking, but the talking is part of receiving, like when they're asking a question. That's not giving back to the teacher. Um, a lot of times, like it's obviously taken for granted by people that a woman ends up being the and he's the mashpia. In what context? In so here's the thing. The only case where it is strictly the case where men are the mashpia and women are the makabal is biologically. Okay, this is very important. Way, I'm saying like emotionally, like, like not like that. I'm saying Emo- out. emotionally, there tends to, so, so the thing is, we'll, we'll, we'll get to, when we get to the animal, so I, I, I want to cut you off because we'll, when we go through the animal soul and you sowed, then we'll talk more about that, okay? So be a, a, we're missing information. Okay. Just saying, not always the woman is is a couple. I, I am aware of that. Right. Okay. But we have there's like an important um, 
piece of information that's missing, which will explain a lot of things about the difference between um, you know, how things really are and how things are often talked about in classes. Okay, good? We'll get to that missing piece. Of okay, but th this is very clear? Yes. Okay. So what's the common factor between the Yisod of the Mashvin Yisod of the Kabbal? Is that what are they, where are they putting the, 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 the central point of their interaction or ultimately in the highest levels of their life? In the other. In the other. And the result of that is, is that for the Mashpia, that means figuring out how to conform yourself into a way to reach the Makabal. Versus the Makabal is how do you make yourself genuinely receptive and, and responsive to the Mashpia. Right, that's, and those are, those are very different roles, very different modes of doing it, yeah? Yes. Okay. So what's your sowed in Klippa? Yes, Klippa does have you sowed. Is it true that it would still be the inverse like the other ones? Yes. Then I assume that your primary focus is not about the other person. And rat, correct, it's about? So then why are you connected to the other person? Because you, it's from what you expect from them for you. That's right. The other person has become a means to fulfilling your needs. Now, is there a gender split or a role split there? For instance, if the reason why I'm talking to you is because by talking to you, I'm getting my emotional needs met. And the reason why you're listening to me is because you're getting your emotional needs met. Then we're fundamentally doing the same thing, which is... Meeting our own needs by objectifying the other. The episode of Klippa is you look at someone or something else, you're like really attached to it. Why? Because it fulfills your needs. So it's like addiction and all of that? What? Addiction. No, it's actually the principle that governs most human relationships, which gets to our point here, right? When most people get married, right? Or friendships, right? Yeah. What, what keeps a marriage going? If we're going to be like a little more honest. Well, so most of us, especially in the modern world where divorce is yeah, considered a legitimate option. Yeah, it's like I have my needs. If my needs aren't getting met, the marriage is going to be over, right? I mean, we don't live in a society. That's true. It just depends. Prove your case. Yeah, for sure. Prove your case. Like we like to say that at the end of the day, it is true. Now, there's more crass and, 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 and kind of selfish kinds of needs. Those more profound needs. There would be a way higher divorce rate. What's the divorce rate? I don't know. First marriage is 50 in the United States. 50%. What? 50%. One out of every two marriages, first marriages ends in divorce in the United States. One out of every, and 60% of second marriages. Okay, well, it's very high. <laughs> and the divorce rate in the firm world, much lower. But guess what? It's going up. Because one of the things that keeps people married is economic. Um, one of the things that keeps people married is, is there's three things that keep people married. Other than what we're gonna talk about in class, economics, okay, which you know if you have a society where well, financially, is it? Well, yeah, it's, yeah. For instance, if you have a society where women don't work and men do work, right? Then you have a problem with getting divorced if you're a woman, right? Okay. Okay. Um, another thing. Another thing is the laws. So, for instance, if you're if you're if you have no fault divorce laws, it's easy to get divorced. No fault divorce means one party wants out, they're out. In halacha, by the way, you don't have no-fault divorce. Like, like, let's say one party wants to get divorced. Can they force a divorce on the other person? No. no in halacha, you can't do that. Just as a general rule. Well, I mean, one of the things it does is it, is it on the margins prevents divorce. 
So it depends like what society, what, what society or the law, the system in this case of Torah's primary value is. Um, by the way, it works both ways. People don't know that. It's not that just m- women can't get a force a divorce. Also, men can't force a divorce. When they talk about women who are changed in marriages, though, there are also men who are changed. Men can. There are there are loopholes that apply to men, but in the vast majority of cases, are not available to them. What do you mean you can't force a divorce? Right now, there's like loads of people waiting to get no one's forcing them. It's very no a force a divorce. I I don't I don't want to get into all the levels. What it means is this: in most places in the Western world, they've have what are called no fault divorce laws, which means not every place, which means you go to the judge. And you say, I want a divorce? The judge is like, okay, you're divorced. There used to be laws where you need to have fault divorce. We need to justify why the marriage should dissolve. Now, what the levels of that are are different, but I'm just thinking of everybody's like, if, 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 you know, it's, who does the law protect more? The partner that wants the divorce, or the partner that doesn't want the divorce, right? So if you live in a society where the law says the partner that wants out has the power, and you live in a society where women have reasonable access to money, right? And you live in a society where divorce is a socially acceptable option. So then what's the reason why people stay married? Happiness? Because they think that in some way, shape, or form, they're getting some kinds of needs met. It could be happiness. It may not only be happiness, right? Unless happiness is their need. That's right. But I want to be broader. Right? It could be something else. Yeah, it could be mon- their needs are monetarily. It could be anywhere. But there, but there are a lot of needs being met. Right. 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 It could be. It could. It, right. It, right. It could be their, It could be. Their, it could be the fact that like their parents got divorced, and the idea of getting divorced feels like personal failure. Who knows what it is? Right. Doesn't matter. The point is, their needs are. Their needs are being met. Now, here's the thing. Even if you talk about on a much loftier thing, okay. Mm-hmm. Let's say let's take not divorce. It's not the bad. I'm talking about the good end. Let's say the relationship is really working. Yeah. How is how do most most couples have a really, really good relationship. What makes that work is that they take very conscious effort to make sure they're meeting each other's needs. So what does that mean? A person making a very rational calculation, which is like this. I have needs, right? Not just, you know, you know even very, very lofty, deep needs, right? That can be met by being married. But the only way the marriage is going to work is if I provide for their needs. And the other person has the same notion, right? So they understand that meeting each other's needs is win-win, right? And they start thinking of it as a team effort, and they become very closely bonded together. Right? And if you think about it, right, your closest friends, why are they your closest friends? They meet your needs for whatever those needs are, right? So do we have needs to feel understood? Yeah. Do we have needs to feel supported? Do we have needs to feel all sorts of things, right? And other people can provide them, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you can have it in a very selfish way. This one I understand is that you sort of keep, you can think of it as selfish, but I don't want you to think of it as selfish. Selfish is where you're like, you're doing, it's in a way where there's, where there's no consideration for the other. So like if, if, if what connects me to someone else is that I'm getting my needs met. But that, but I have enough wisdom to realize that that for this to actually work, I have to be considerate of them, right? Yeah. And I genuinely do care about them because the, the, one of my needs is to actually have a genuine relationship, right? A genuine feeling of connection, right? Not just feel like we're using each other, right? So that's also you sort of clip. It's a more refined, right? And the realm of like, if you're not going to talk about godliness, there's nothing wrong with that. So you're talking about two human beings. So it's like it's really important for us to have this relationship, whether it's a friendship, it's a marriage, whatever it is, right? 
And the reason why it's important to me because this relationship really does meet my needs. And I realize this relationship won't thrive unless I take care to meet your needs. And you have the same thing. So like, that's great. That's wonderful. But at the end of the day, the center of each person's life is me. Right? Which is why, like, if you read, if you, if, 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 if you go down to some core elements about, like, this is what you were touching on about, about like, in, in, like, husbands and wives, and, like, it's not always true that the man is always the mishpi and the woman is always the recipient, it's because a lot of the relationship, not on the biological level, but on the human level, is coming from which part of them? They're animal soul, right? And in the animal soul... That's the most part. For the most part. Let's be honest. For the most part, that's what it is. Now... For the most part, all the spheres, most of us are... Okay, I don't know, yeah. but I feel like most of us express animal side. That's right. That's right. But, yeah. but the thing I want to... But, but the thing... But... Now, let's say like this. You know, is it okay... Just, I'm skipping a little bit later on time. Is it okay... Um, to use things which are klipa but not forbidden in order to accomplish mitzvahs? Is that an okay thing? Well, it's klipa. It's klipa. But without the klipa, you're not going to get the mitzvah, but it's not forbidden. So yeah, because yeah, like, what's an example of klipa? Like, I don't know, everything that's not a mitzvah, right? So, okay. What? Coins. Coins. Money is klipa, but you, right? Everything, right? You go to work. Okay, so now here's the thing, right? Do you have needs? Yeah. Okay, everyone else has needs? Yeah. Okay. If you can get your needs met, and someone else can get their needs met, and you can use that fact in such a way to build a stable Jewish family, which allows you to accomplish the mitzvahs of having children, the mitzvahs of education, the mitzvahs of Abbas Yisrael. Is there anything wrong with that? No. No. But let's just not fool ourselves. That's the, 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 you're, you're, you're the relate. Now, in other words, what you're doing is you're using Klippa in the service of God, and there's like this question. This becomes more the chapter of chapter 17. Okay, we're going to. Chapter 7, which, which is going to deal with different kinds of Klippa and how Klippa can be used for Kedusha. But if you read the Rebbe's letters, by the way, about, about like um, Shalabayas, you almost. You basically never find. This idea, well, the man is supposed to be the mashpi and the woman is supposed to be the makabal. Like, it doesn't really... Right. He talks about, like, you're not perfect. You have to be considered other people to be a mensch. Right? You have to figure out how to understand each other. Because at the end of the day, what actually makes... If, if, if you are your animal soul, your animal soul feels strongly connected to those things and people that meet its needs. So you have to figure out how... That's going to be true about people you want to have strong relationships with. What if you want to? What if you don't want to have a strong relationship with someone? Then what do you want? To, what is your animal soul going to have to do? Realize that this is not meeting any need. For the animal soul, you sowed is one dimensional. It doesn't have that male female dichotomy to it. It's very simple. If I feel something provides my needs, I become very deeply attached to it. If I don't feel it provides my needs, it doesn't feel deeply attached to it. That's what you sowed of Klippa is. And it's not always bad or forbidden any more than any other thing in Klippa. Now, from the perspective of Kedusha, there's a problem because where is it placing the focus? Where is it placing the focus? On yourself. Whereas Yisod of Kedusha is always about placing the focus on the other, which causes you to radically change. So if you have two tzaddikim who are married, you know, I would guess the male-female dynamic in the ideal is probably manifest much more clearly. 
But like, I don't know, in a real, real life relationship between real people, like, if you can figure out how to be honest about what your needs are and figure out how to meet each other's needs in a way that's a win-win and mutually building in the service of the, the values of Torah mitzvahs, like, that's great, that's wonderful. Like, why should you, like, <laughs> you have to, like, pretend to be the embodiment of the perfect macabre. Like, no, like, <laughs> you're a person with needs, right? Oh, so but, I don't need to mold into a I mean, there is a level in which, on average, there will be more there will be more macabre-like elements of women and more mishpia-like elements of men, but that's like saying like men are stronger than women. Is it true that men are stronger than women? If you think about it statistically. It's statistically true, but is it true about any, any individual man and any individual woman? No. Is it true that men are better at math than women? No. Statistically. Really? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Most men I know don't know what two looks like. What do you mean? Because you know, from boys on to high school, they never look at numbers. Okay. Uh, now, men are good yeah. By the way, is it is all is it true that men are worse at math than women? Yes, yes also true. How does You know statistics because your people good at stuff works in a bell curve. No. You know what a bell curve is? Like most people are on the average. Further away from average, you go. Okay. Well, this is a, this is my bad version of the bell curve. Okay. So these are people that are really good. These are people that are bad. These are people that are good. And this is the number. So this is more. So more people are in the middle. Very few people are really, really exceptionally good at math. Very few people are really exceptionally bad at math. Make sense? Okay. Now, if you break this apart into men and women, this is what women's curve looks like, and this is what men's curve look like, which is men are more spread out. So there's, I'm over exaggerating. So there's more men that are really exceptionally good at math than there are women. And there's way more men that are exceptionally bad at math than women. So the thing is, like, there are things that can be true. Wait, I, don't, I don't get that. Can you say that again? The distribution for men is no, flatter. No, more men are, but the women who are if better you, than men are way better than men. The men who are, there are more men that are way better than, that are on the top end. Right, numbers. No, but the women who are better than men are way better than men. Is that what that's saying? No. no what it means is like this. The average man is better than the average woman. The top, there's more top men than there are top women, but there are also more bottom men than bottom women. No, so the average, at, the, the, the the average of women are better than the men. No, because no, the distribution, the, the, the mean point look is... Look at the middle. This I'm is the middle. middle. Right, so what the middle, middle is the average. No. The top one is the... Women. The average woman is over here, the average man is over there. Right, so who's higher? The man. It's not higher, look at the, the size, it's good and bad, it's not... But there are more women... Oh. Yeah. Who are decent oh, at math? Yeah. That's right, right. So this is what I'm saying. When you talk about these things, that's why I'm using this as an example. When you talk about these things, so if you start thinking of things statistically, then a lot of the things we say about male and female dynamics will hold true about men and women's psychology. For instance, I'll give you giving you an example, right? Um, that most just a example. Most men um, will will. It will feel uncomfortable um, with the idea um, that they can't do something and their wife is taking care of it for them. 
Now, that's a statistical truth, right? It's not an absolute truth, right? Whereas women, statistically, not only are they okay with that, that actually, right? So, so that dynamic, right? One spouse is taking care of something else because the other spouse has a hard time with it. Is that a thing that brings them together or drives them apart? So that tends to be statistically gendered. But like, if you go down from the, go a little bit deeper, which looks this interesting, at the end of the day, just getting their needs met. So the man might have a need to feel respected and accomplished, and now that's belittling that need, so it's not getting it met, right? Whereas the woman has, feels a need to be taken care of. And so, the, but at the end of the day, from a chiz point of view, is like, forget what the needs are. Like, what, what's going on at the end of the day is that on, on the level of the animal soul, why do you feel so, what, what is the foundation of any relationship, any connection you have with anything is, it meets your needs. And in Kedusha, what's the foundation of any relationship? The other. And if it's the other, well, there's a very big difference if you're reaching out to the other or you're receiving the other. Mm -hmm. Male versus female, Mishpir versus Makabal. Can I, uh, hold on, can that happen with like a, like between a rabbi and a chassid? Like, is there a way for a holy relationship to be female? No. Yeah. Then it wouldn't be holy. Like, those are, those I'm are. saying, so like, there can't be a rabbi chassid relationship where it's a chassid is Oh, no, so that's a, but you could have a relationship with the Rebbe's relationship with the Chassid is quite holy, right, but the Chassid's relationship with the Rebbe is not. Could? Sure. Uh, sure. Whoa, whoa. You could have a relationship where the Chassid's relationship with his Rebbe is all about meeting his needs. Meeting his needs, the Chassid's needs? The Chassid's needs. And, and the Rebbe's relationship with the Chassid is all about re- trying to bring godliness and life to the Chassid. Really it. Because it's, it's quite true. <laughs> Just, if you're honest with it, that's, that's, that's the difference between, you know, like, all the people that run to all sorts of tzaddikim for brachas and segulas and things, like, what's motivating them? The rabbi complained this. People only come to me when they have problems. Okay, fine. It's, it's better than not coming, right? Like, the worst thing to do, by the way, there's a, the, the worst thing to do is not to have any needs. Because if you don't have any needs, right? I'm talking about the level of a human being. What happens if you have no needs? And then you can't connect with anybody, right? You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, it's sad and it's disturbing. There are people whose goal in life is to not need anything because that makes them invulnerable. They're powerful. They can't, they cannot depend on anybody. Nobody can hurt them. They don't need anybody. So it's all about them. It's all about them, but they're not even willing to expose themselves to vulnerability of attachment to anybody else because then they can't get hurt. But they're not really powerful. No, it's an illusion. Okay. But I mean, someone who doesn't need anything is more powerful. Not powerful. If they powerful. genuinely don't need anything, but this is trying to, this but is making it as if, right? This is something. Bring yourself to not need anything. No, you can suppress the fact that you need something. There's a difference. Okay, well, it's it's so no no. What ends up happening is this: if you're a teenager, you've probably tried this, and if you're a reasonably healthy person, you grew out of it for the most part. Right. Which is that as a teenager, one of the things teenagers try to do is, is suppress, is pretend they don't need things. Yeah. Um, and then they hopefully realize, sometimes consciously, unconsciously, that that's like a miserable existence. People who don't realize that end up developing all sorts of neuroses because like the mental strain of trying to deny the fact that you have needs for, say, security, companionship, acknowledgement, validation, um, actually just destroy your psyche and you become like a very disturbed person and you wouldn't want to be that. No. Now, if you genuinely don't need something, I mean, you don't need it, like, fine, whatever, right? But that's a different discussion. Um, yeah, there are people like that. They're not pleasurable, necessarily. Because they are, they just don't, they, they don't recognize it. What do you mean? If you're suppressing all your needs and pretending like you don't need them, then 
Anyway, do you understand what Yisod of Klippa is? Yes. Okay, so Yisod, so I want, I want us to understand this. Yisod of Klippa from a perspective of Hasidus is evil, right? Because Hasidus is all about connection to Hashem, right? So what, and if we would put Yisod in the connection to Hashem, so Hashem's Yisod is how he sets aside his infinity and reaches us, right? And our Yisod is how we set aside our limitations in order to be receptive to, to Hashem, right? Okay. But, but in, 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 and, and so if a person's like, there are people, like think about it, like people that really, really, they pray very hard because they know only Hashem can give them the miracle that they need. What kind of Yisod is that? Klipa. Would people pray very hard because a life without God isn't worth living? Klipa? Why is that Klipa? That's not Klipa. That's, That's Yisod of Kedusha. No, but if I say, I, my life is not worth living without no, because no, because no, the, the word "I" is not is not the issue here, right? It's just saying the value of God is not that He meets my need. It's the reverse. God has intrinsic value, so a life without Him is worthless. Right, if it's that way, but if it's that's, my if I forget the word, but I'm saying you could be saying the same thing and meaning totally. That's right. Thing. That's right. Why, that's why wording is less important as long right. as the meaning is clear. So yeah. Yeah. I either recognize Shine Strader's value or mine, which is better with Him in my life. Yeah. And by the way, that allows, by the way, the, the, the animal soul to kind of maybe be influenced by the godly soul a little bit, right? Like, you can get all your needs met if you, you know, the godly soul's life without God is worthless. And then he tells the animals, you know, with God in your life, you get all your needs met in the best way possible. Right. And they can get on board, right? Okay. But it's not the same thing. Right. Okay. So you sowed, right? You sowed is the foundation of any connection. The foundation of any connection in Kedusha is the other person. And the foundation of every connection in Klippa is yourself. And so your attachment to other things is because they serve your needs in Klippa. Right? And in Kedusha, now it depends whether you're in the giving or receiving role. Right? So there are three roles. There's the giver, the receiver, and the taker. Giver and receiver are Kedusha, and the taker is Klippa. Now you can take in a, in a, in a win-win kind of way, right? In a deeper way, in a better way, right? Or you can take in so, a very destructive way. Can you explain again the difference between a receiver and a taker? A taker means I have things that I need. And how and do receiver A receiver is I don't don't have it's not that I have things that I need. What I'm lacking is what I'm what I, what I'm what I'm lacking is the 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 connection to the mashpia. That the mashpia has something that without which I am empty, I'm missing. I'll give you a very simple so example. Because I'll give you an example between a taker and a receiver, okay? Yeah. Someone who grows up without a parent, God forbid. Okay? Yeah. What are they missing in life? Parent. They're missing the parent, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's, they don't need someone to give them a parent. What they need is... The existence of the parent, right? And they'll even try and find someone to take on a mother role or a father role, right? Because it's 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 not like it's not like it's like like my existence is incomplete without parents. Right? Yeah. And the parents are someone, and the thing is the thing is you can't really do that, right? Like no amount of having mother figures or father figures actually replaces having your mother or your father. It can help, but it doesn't replace it. So um, let's say in the relationship of a Rebbe and Chassid, 
What would be the difference between taken and receiver? A taker is someone who wants knowledge or direction or information or inspiration, and the Rebbe can provide that. Or miracles. And a receiver saying the Rebbe is the embodiment of a truth. And if I am not connected to that truth, then there's no point in my life. So I have to make my life a vessel to receive that truth. Can you? That's very different. It's very high level. Think about now, and if you think about like the ideal of the the ideal of, of, of what it means to be a disciple, that means that this person embodies something that without which, what's the point? It's hard to be a makabel. It's much harder to be a makabel than to be a mashpia, by the way. Infinitely harder. Can you? I'm assuming the answer is uh, whatever that. Can you have both in a relationship? Like sometimes you inspire or whatever, and you're like. What well, you said about the rabbi and be like, this is why they're my life, and then back by the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, have an animal? Well, do you have an? Do you have an animal soul and a godly soul? Yeah. So the answer is yes. I want you to understand something. When you describe things in a class, you have to make them very clear. In life, they're so blended together. Right. Okay. Always keep. Anyway, to be a taker from a rabbi, you have to sometimes also be a receiver. I mean, usually, let me go, Jesus. You. you I mean, you're not gonna be a receiver twenty-four-seven unless you're a very spiritual person. Yeah, you know, they're talking about the loftiest of Hasidim, right? They're talking about the loftiest of Hasidim where we're completely, you know, they, they were completely given over to the Rebbe in every way, shape, or form, right? These right. are like the, when they, we talk about Hasidim a lot, right? <laughs> this, all of this boils down to godly fighting for this all? Yes. That's right. I know, we've had this all That's right. But fleshing it out makes it. Yeah. This is an example of Jerusalem Chachal and Bina, right? The more you flesh out what it is, it starts to sink in what it really means. Yeah. Why is being a receiver harder than being a receiver? Why is being a receiver harder than being a mishpat? Because being a receiver requires you to straddle being nothing and being something simultaneously. You're nothing because like like without the connection to whatever else is like like the like the connection to whatever is in the service of something else. It's its own end. So like without that you're nothing. But on the other hand, you have to be enough of a of a somebody to actually receive. And that's just that tension doesn't exist for a Mashpia. Mashpia has their own tension, but it's the tension they're dealing with is doesn't have that that Nothing. It's something. If you want to think about it, I mean, it, it, this gets very gendered, but there's a reason why we associate recipients with, 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 right? Like, if we were to think of it in a very gendered way, right? Right? What's harder in the relationship, being a husband or being a wife? We think very classically, stereotypical, gendered way. Which is going to be harder? The wife. The wife. Why? You're giving her a lot. See that 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 way of putting it. I know what you're saying, but that's not. Childbirth. She has to put herself aside a lot. Like she's uh, so constantly like, she, it's, she not about her. it's not about her in a, in, in, a, in a way that's, that's, that, that can make you feel worthless. But at the same time, that's totally wrong. It's that you, right? It was, whereas, whereas the husband, it's not about him, but in a way that doesn't have that kind of attention. Um, and you can have, if you think about being a student, right? What's harder, being a student or being a teacher? Why? 
Not intellectually, it's not harder, by the way. Maybe even from the purely intellectual side, maybe it's actually harder to be a teacher. But, the, but that's outshad- overshadowed by something else, which is the student has to, at the same time, have the total sense that, that this, what they lack, is so important that without it, like, there's some fundamental worthlessness about the state of their knowledge. And at the same time, take their mind seriously enough that they're devoted to actually learning. So there's this, always this tension in the recipient's role between being and not being, which is a big, by the way, major theme in Chassidus. By the way, Chassidus speaks about this as the reason why the, the Meqabal touches on the essence of, transcendent essence of Hashem more than the Meshpia does, because the Meqabal has this tension of being and not being built into the, that mode, whereas the Meshpia doesn't really have that. Right, which is, by the way, why biologically women can actually create life and men can't. Those are all tied together. Yeah, but the thing I want to point out here, which brings you is that the idea that you split you into two only makes sense if you're talking about from the perspective of kedusha, right. where the kedusha is the focus on the other, and what it means to focus on the other from the mashpia perspective is radically different than it means from the makabel's perspective. You don't, you don't have that worry. Right, if it's, if it's klipa, it's I, I'm attached and connected to something because it meets my need, well then that's all on the most basic level the same. Even though it might be gendered to help manifest, it's fundamentally the same that the reason why I'm so attached to whatever or whoever is because they do something for me. Yeah. That's Yisod of klipa. Good? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is Yisod of klipa evil in the conventional sense of the word evil? From Chassid's perspective, it's evil, but from the command, no. no. Now, there are forms of it which are, right? Where you're like blatantly using somebody or manipulating somebody, right? Yes. But then there are ways which we would say are quite psychologically healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Good. Okay, we have five minutes. We'll do Malchus. So, what is Malchus of Kedusha? Malchus of Kedusha is. This. So Malchus of Kedusha is the sense, and we're going to talk about it from the perspective of our God. So Malchus of Kedusha is the sense that um, what you do actually matters. And doesn't just, and not that it matters to you, it matters. That's right. Does it really matter if you turn off the light on Shabbos? That's and is Hashem the most real thing there is? Yeah. So does it really matter? Yeah. Does it matter more than whether or not you live and die? No. Why? Because that also matters to Hashem, you're going to say, right? Because you're supposed to live before you die. Ah, uh, why? Because it says in the Torah, B'chai B'hem, right? This goes back to the thing. You're supposed to live before you die. You're supposed to live before you break Right, because it says that in the Torah. Because again, that's important to Hashem. Yeah. But, right, in other words, that sense that Everything about me is really important because it matters to Hashem. Hashem. So what would Malchus of Klippa be? Doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter. Doesn't really matter. Whatever, whatever it is, doesn't really matter. Oh, and, and the yeah. Why do people spend time doing nothing? Aren't we we're all drawn to spending time doing nothing, talking about nothing? Yeah. Tearing down things as if it doesn't really matter? Yeah. 
Where's that from? Right? The sense that like, like, right? The sense that like, what are you going to do today? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Like whatever I'm in the mood for as it comes, it doesn't really matter. And like, there's something like you want just about that hefkeris, that, that total. No stress. But not no stress because you need to relax. No That's stress not. because what's the need for stress? That's right. What's the need for stress? What does it really matter? The Rebbe, the Rebbe once spoke about, like, people want to, the, 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 the people, what did the Rebbe say? Is that people, it's very, people need very much the idea of menuch z'nefesh, serenity in your soul. But not the menuch z'nefesh that comes from sitting on the beach. He said that? <laughs> no way. Something to that, I don't remember the exact wording, but something to that effect. Like, <laughs> like, 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 it doesn't matter, no worries, not like that. <laughs> Malchus of Klippa is like, we can sit here and talk 20 hours about nonsense and like just waste time and has no, like, cool, there's no accountability. It doesn't matter. Like, and whereas, whereas the, this is called prikaso. There's no, there's no yoke. There's no responsibility. There's no, no significance. No accountability. The expression of the Gemara is Abdem of Kerenechle. A slave wants to have no responsibilities. The question, if you have a non-Jewish slave and you free them, they become Jew, a fully-fledged Jew. And so they actually become obligated in more mitzvahs. So the question is whether freeing the slave is considered a benefit or not. And one of the arguments that it's not is because now they have more responsibilities and the slave would prefer not I'm to have responsibilities. No, that's a Jewish slave. That's a different thing. Oh, that's, a that's a Jewish slave. The Jewish slave has the equal number of responsibilities. So I'm a non-Jewish slave. Um, so... On the one hand, the godly soul is like, what do you mean? Every little thing you do matters. Everything you do, you bring godly energy into it. It matters. It brings Mashiach. Like, right, right. And the other thing is like, what do you mean 20 minutes? What, 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 20 minutes is not a big deal. We could just like, you know, schmooze for no reason. Just waste time. Skip the details. Yeah. Tune out. And again, not because... The stress has reached a point where you need to figure out how to de-stress, right? That's a ma- that's a maintenance of selfing. That's not a fundamental trait. Yeah. So we've covered them all. Other than das. Yeah. Other than das. Okay. So das will do next week because we reached the end of the class. Well, the only way you ever manifest any of the other traits of your animal soul is because fundamentally, what's the gatekeeper? If you had the sense that what you do really matters to God, would that keep all of your animal soul traits in check? So what is it that allows them to come into expression? The fact that I really, really, really like to do something that is klipa, as long as I have a sense... Right? That what I do really matters to God, that's going to keep that in check. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if I have the sense that it doesn't really matter what I do, then even the slightest desire and attraction to Klippa is going to end up becoming manifest in behavior. So the gatekeeper of everything is Malchus. Which is why Hasidus makes such an emphasis on the yoke of Kabbalah's soul, accepting the yoke of heaven. If you, which basically means realizing how critical your behavior is to God. Malchus Yeah. Well, what matters? You're accepting what matters? I'm accepting the shaman. You're accepting uh, what? What are you accepting? His malchus. What does malchus mean? 
Malchus means that you Malchus Malchus is the the relationship between the subject and the king. So by saying that by saying that Hashem is a melech, what you're saying is that your bittel to him matters to him. That's what it means. And so if you have you do accept him as a melech, you don't accept him as a melech. You accept that when Hashem says to light Shabbos candles, he, that really matters, or you don't accept that that really matters. Now, you can break it down. There's Malchus Shemaim and Omitzvahs. I'm not getting into the exact details, but that's a, in the general theme. That's what that is. And it's not a behavior. right? Malchus in, in holiness is not a behavior. Malchus in holiness is a mindset. You've accepted the responsibility that God has placed so upon you. Malchus in the Nefesh could just be like very, very from to the person who takes that seriously, right? Every, every, everyone's godly soul has that. Everyone's godly soul, right? You feel like you're on a mission from God, and it really does matter. So the novel takes him seriously. Takes, takes everything about God very seriously, regardless of mood, regardless of circumstance, yeah? Mm-hmm. And you feel like, Malchus makes you feel like you're on a mission from God. And what is Malchus of Klippa? Yeah, that you're on vacation in the Bahamas. Like, life is supposed to be your, like, uh, smorgasbord. And, like, <laughs> like, if you feel it, you should do it. Right? You know that attitude? If you feel it, you should do it? That's called Malchus of Klippa. Do what you feel like. Do what you feel like. Right? That's why, that's why it's nothing of its own and it contains everything, right? Right? Yes.